Hello and welcome to the Fabulous by Design podcast. I'm your host, Evie. I am excited you are listening today. This show inspires and empowers you to take the next step towards a life you can't stop thinking about. I am bringing in people from all over the world with authentic and inspiring stories. People who change their lives from good to better, from miserable to great, turned strategy into hope and became successful entrepreneurs and business owners, living their dream life on their own terms. Grab your favorite note-taking device, lean back and get inspired. I believe that everything you need to create the life of your dreams is already within you. Hello, welcome to today's episode. I'm your host, Evie, today here with Beth. I'm tuning in all the way to Canada today, and I have the honor to speaking with Beth. She's a marriage coach, and I am so, so curious to hear her story today. Hello, Beth. Thank you for being here with us. Would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I am Beth Miller, and I help women who are on the verge of divorce or struggling within their marriages save their marriages. I help them transform themselves to transform their relationship. And I, within that, I am a marriage coach, a consulting hypnotist. So I have a hypnosis background, teacher of psychology, along with being a mom to three wonderfully crazy little men. And I've been married for 14 years. Great, great. Beth, thank you. When we spoke earlier, you mentioned that you had a, a tough break in your career. It was concerning your health, and this is how your career has changed. Would you like to give us a little bit insight? Absolutely. So I was a teacher, and I was a busy mom. I was teaching, I was coaching extracurricular sports at school, managing clubs. And it was a really, really busy time. It was exhausting. I had three little men, wasn't sleeping very much. And I was, I was burnt out and I was ignoring the signs. I was stressed, having panic attacks that I'd never had before. And I just didn't know, I didn't know how to get off the, the hamster wheel. I was just go, go, go. That's what you have to do. And I think the universe gave me a little shake up. So what happened was, um, yeah, I ended up losing my ability to walk. Like I started um, stumbling, I was tripping up the stairs and it was just a slow loss of function on my right side, my hand and my leg. And it was scary, but I kept ignoring it. That's the thing that I should not have done was I was ignoring the signs that I was losing my ability to walk really slowly. What made you ignore those signs? I mean, I know when we when we hustle, when we're just, you know, trying to survive in our our hamster wheel, right? It's easy to sometimes ignore a headache, right? And to be like, oh, it's nothing. Let's just take that pill and let's get over it. Are you scared? Or what made you ignore a sign like, you know, you couldn't walk? Yeah, it was really slow. So it started, it was probably only like five days. Like it wasn't, it was slow, but over five days, I couldn't run anymore. I was healthy. I was healthy. I would run half marathons. I exercised a lot. I chalked it up as, oh, my muscles must be really sore from working out. Maybe I just need to go to physio, but it kept getting worse. I would stretch more. I was trying to do all these things to try and make my leg feel better because it was, had this weird buzz to it. My leg and my hand was getting a weird buzz and I just kept ignoring it. I knew down deep something was going on, but I kept trying to talk myself into other things. And mm -hmm. I think the biggest part of it also was that 
in Canada, we have free healthcare, which is amazing, but you can wait a long time and emerge. So you can go and you can sit there for six hours, eight hours. And then I was like, I don't want to waste my Saturday just to be told your leg is like, I don't know, you need to go home and take some ibuprofen. It's just, you pulled a muscle. And so part of me didn't want to waste my time and go sit in the hospital if it was nothing serious. But what happened was it, by day five, it was really bad. Like I could barely take a step with that leg. I couldn't wiggle my toes. And so I have a family doctor that lives on our street. And I sent her a quick text message being like, hey, can can, can I come see you? I need a friend right now because I was paranoid. I was starting to Google everything. Like mm-hmm. what, hap- what does it mean when you can't walk? <laughs> what does it mean when you're losing your ability to walk on one side? And um, what happened was she took me to the Emerge and Emerge did some scans. And right away, they're like, your brain is bleeding. And it was one of those like, what is happening to my life moment. And the first thing I said was, am I going to live? And then the next thing was, do I need to call my family? And then it was a bit of a crazy whirlwind from there on. Mm -hmm. I'm getting goosebumps as you speak right now, because this is something that that's a quite a shakeup from the universe, right? Absolutely. Like, oh yeah. The next month was a whirlwind. I it got worse. Like the brain bleed got worse and I lost more function over the next couple of days. Like I hadn't quite hit the peak of it. Um, I wasn't able to wiggle my toes. I wasn't able to walk. I didn't know I couldn't be a mom. Like I ended up spending a month in hospital, couldn't be with my kids, couldn't teach, couldn't do anything. My, I, it was horrible. Like I lost who I was at that time because I didn't know what my future was going to be. It was a scary time. Mm-hmm. I, I truly can't imagine that. How did you get out of that? Like what how did your life continue after you recovered? Yeah, it was, I guess like in it, it felt like my world had been flipped upside down. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't know if I was going to be able to walk, bike, swim, run a triathlon again. And it was like, there's a big grieving period before I could even get to who I was becoming. I had to shut like shed the skin of who I was, which really, I didn't know who I was. I had myself so wrapped up in my my roles in life as teacher, as mom, as a daughter, as uh, an athlete. I had all these roles, but I didn't really know what made me happy on the inside. I was a people pleaser, an empath. I often felt not good enough. And my confidence was wrapped up in the things, my achievements. And so I had to grieve all that because I didn't have those achievements anymore. I didn't feel like I could be any of that stuff anymore in the state I was in a hospital bed. And so there was a big grief period. And within that, I knew some stuff had to shift. I had to get out off the rat race. I had to get off the hamster wheel. And that's where I started to figure out like, what is it that I want to do? But I had no clue. I had no idea. I just knew I couldn't be on that rat race anymore. Mm-hmm. I get that. I totally get that. I have a similar story where I I used to have bulimia quite, it, it turned out to be quite heavy after the, the healing period or the major healing period. I was one day standing there, not having any issues with eating anymore. I was like, you know, super happy. I could enjoy restaurants. I could do sports again because I also have developed a sports addiction over time. But I didn't know who I was. So what therapy didn't teach me is that like this new identity after a shakeup, right? And I had to figure that out too. So I truly can relate how this must have felt. And especially if you say, okay, I live, right? There must have been a moment of gratitude that I am alive and I am not going to mess this up again. Yeah. Yeah. There definitely is this shakeup, like you say, where you just start searching for who you are, but you don't actually know. Like I didn't know in the moment that I was grieving myself. I just knew I was really anxious and depressed. Mm -hmm. I knew I was not happy. I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't know what life was going to hold. I was in a lot of fear. So before I started to 
do the transformation, I was in so much fear. I didn't know what my life was going to hold. It was so unpredictable. I actually had to take it down sometimes to minute by minute, minute by minute. I am okay. I am safe. Everything will be fine. I was exhausted with having to give myself this constant pep talk because I, I really didn't know. I didn't know what was going to be, what my life was going to be. Yeah. How did you find out Beth? What was the next step? Well, I went on a deep dive into figuring out how to heal myself because I'm like, I don't want to feel this way anymore. I did not like it. So I tried a bunch of different modalities and a couple of things that I really stumbled across was non-traditional therapy. Like I had a social worker, I had a, like a psychiatrist and they were great, but they kept giving me tactics like breathe in, breathe out. They call it square breathing, which is awesome. It calms your nervous system in the moment. Like it really mm-hmm. does. It's like, okay. But I was doing it all day because I had such, my nervous system was just so scared all the time that I was just breathing. I was talking to myself. I was exhausted. Like there's got to be more to this fear. There's got to be more to it. Because I kept, I was scared my brain was going to bleed again. I was scared that I was going to be back in the hospital learning all those skills. And I hadn't even fully recovered yet. Like I was still, I couldn't drive. Um, I couldn't do a lot. I was still learning to walk. And I was just in so much fear of my future, of my brain, of what was going on. My world was very unsafe. And so I ended up going into like, a shaman, she did some work on me and we went into this deep dive into like my subconscious. And we ended up going into a lot of the fear and the roots of the fear weren't actually rooted into my brain bleed or things that were happening in the present. I had fear rooted from even further back in my past. And then I started to explore, um, hypnotism and realizing the power of the subconscious mind, which holds all our memories. And those memories then hold these thoughts, thoughts of I'm not good enough. I'm not safe. I'm not in control. I'm, I'm a failure. And so these memories hold these beliefs, which then produce an emotion. And that's where the fear, the embarrassment, the shame, the guilt, the anger, the sadness come from. And I realized if I could get to the root memory of a lot of this emotion of the fear of the embarrassment of shame, that's how I can heal myself. I can go back to the origins of this pain and heal myself from the past forward. And so it was that, that was like the catalyst for change for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And did you then uh, immediately transition from teaching into coaching? No, not at all. It was like a three year process. It was a long time. Oh, I would like to dive a bit deeper into that. Would you like to, to take us through the story? Absolutely. So about a year after my brain bleed, that's when I finally had settled in on something. I'm like, you know what? My marriage has started to transform. I didn't realize it, but through working on my own stuff, like through the brain bleed and learning who I wasn't, I wasn't a teacher. I wasn't just a mom. I wasn't just these things. I was Beth and I had to learn how to be happy from the inside out. I needed to make sure my external world didn't have an on switch to the happiness in my internal world. So I was rediscovering myself and I was shedding people-pleasing behaviors, um, needing validation from others. And within that, my relationship started to improve with my husband. I didn't even realize it, but it was months later. I'm like, we're not arguing about the same stuff anymore. I realized I was showing up different, which then in turn, he was reacting different. I was a different vibration. And that vibration I was, was higher. And he was attracting to that same vibration. So we were up-leveling our marriage. And so as I kind of unfolded that, I'm like, you know what, there's something to this transform yourself to transform your life, but also transform your career, transform your your marriage. And so I started doing some exploration into having this business. And I'd already taken my hypnosis training at that point. I did some Reiki training. And so I used that as the catalyst to be like, okay, how can I do this? And within my own healing, I was writing all these meditations. I call them hypno journeys. 
and they are helping me heal. Where you go into the subconscious, you go back to root or time the root of fear when you can't trust. And so in this writing, I was helping myself. I was using friends as guinea pigs and they were seeing transformation. So at that point I hadn't given up teaching, but I was just experimenting with my my newfound gifts to see if they had effects on others as well. That's interesting. Thank you for this deep dive. I'm just wondering because usually when we are in a in a partnership and one person goes through a bigger transition, it can quite often happen that the relationship does not last because we can't force others to move with us. And if there is no alignment anymore, which is which can happen is that those uh, relationships go apart. How did you introduce your partner to that or how was he moving with you or was it something that really you know happened unnoticed or you were the person only noticing later that oh look at us we are different because of me so you would have considered your you yourself as the problem we both had issues absolutely we definitely did and I think if one starts to change like and I could then start to see his problems I shouldn't call them problems but like his own his own personality, his own wounds, his own kind of perceptions of the world. I could see why he was the way, why he might get angry easy or why he might get defensive or I could see why. And that's, I changed my lens of him instead of his reactions, meaning something's wrong with me or he doesn't hear me. He doesn't understand me. Instead, I could see him as, okay, I know where he's coming from. It's not really about me. It's something deeper. So yeah, I, in the practice I have in working with relationships often, all marriages can't be saved because you start to up level and you actually outgrow your partner. And as your worth increases, you realize I'm worthy of better. And you still desire to be cherished, loved, and respected. But mm-hmm. sometimes it just can't be, it won't always be how you want it to look. You want it to look like your current husband, but you know what? Maybe it needs to look like a relationship that's going to be there in the future. And so we often can outgrow our partners and it can be really sad, but at the same time, they were one of your greatest teachers. They taught you so much about yourself and people come in our lives to be our teachers and then they leave. And there's grieving in that when you're grieving the loss of a partner, but other times you and your partner can grow together. And like you said, there can be rocky times before it gets better because your partner may look at you and be like, you think you're better than me. Why are you not reacting the same way anymore? There's like this change, this shift. And because if you've been married a long time, even 10 years, you have formed certain habits in your communication, like autonomic responses and so when that starts to change they're almost taken off guard being like that's not the response I'm used to and that can actually bother them Mm -hmm. because they're addicted they might be addicted to the emotion of arguing they might be addicted to the emotion of shutting down and then feeling like they have control but they're losing control Mm -hmm. that's quite interesting insight so you can tell that your partner was definitely open to your change Yes, for the yes, most part. Appreciate Some, Yeah, sometimes there was some bumps, but for the most part, yeah. I heard the odd time. Yeah, you th- like he would try to push my buttons in a little bit of a different way. I'm trying to think of some examples. I can't think of one at the moment, but it was rare. It was really rare. Just sometimes you think you're better than me or this is the new you or like, will this actually last? Like he wasn't really like that, but I picked up on a vibe like that. And maybe it was just my own interpretation. Maybe it was my own lack of confidence in my new shell, mm. having confidence speaking this way that maybe I still felt like a fraud. So it might not have been him. It might've been me that thought I was a bit of a fraud acting this new way. That's not as triggered. Mm-hmm. Thank you. How did you eventually started to, you know, transforming all your new knowledge or your new experiences into a business? 
Yeah, that was scary. That was terrifying. It really was because imposter syndrome is real. So I know I have these gifts and I believed it in my heart and in my core so deeply. Like, this is what I'm meant to be. I'm supposed to transition, but like, how do I do this? How do I get it out there? How do I even know if it's good enough? And like the price that you're going to charge people, like, Mm -hmm. is it worth this? Is it valuable? And so it was a slow progress of like experimenting on friends and then having beta prices being like, okay, here's the discounted rate in checking in with how it's working for people. And so it was this very slow process of constant, like check in, refine, check in, refine. And yeah, and we can go into more details about it, but it really was like figuring out your niche. Uh, Then next was really like, who am I going to help and refining that? So it's deeper and deeper. So I can really solve one problem. And yeah, it was painful. There was a lot of tears. There's a lot of like, is this the right thing? Do I want to do this? This is a lot of hard work. There's a lot of hours, more hours than I would like to have put in at the beginning. But I know because I did that, I'm in a really good place now where I can have a better like life balance with my family and kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Would you like to share with us what your biggest fear was? Failure. 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 Failure and that I wouldn't make enough money. That's what it was because I was teaching. Teaching Canada is great. You have a really good pay. You have great holidays. You have good benefits. You have a great pension for retirement. It can be referred to as the golden handcuffs. So people know this. If you work in corporate and you have a really good, solid job that doesn't light you up, but it's stable, it's consistent, it's always there. So to leave that and just put complete trust that in yourself and in the universe that this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're meant to be trusting that when you close that other door, the door to everything else is going to open. And that's so scary, but sometimes you have to jump off cliffs and uh, it still gets me sometimes. Sometimes I still like, if you have a down month or if you have like a down week, you like all of a sudden like start to go to worst case scenario, but it's bringing yourself back to like, okay, breathe. This is where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think these fears will always be with us. And as you said, it can be sometimes enough to have a bad day to wake up and be like oh my god I'm not creative today I was supposed to because you know you look at your schedule and you're supposed to come up with a b and c and you're like oh my god my brain is just not working today and for me sometimes I am I was able to create panic and chaos everywhere being like oh my god how how I'm gonna now do this how I'm gonna fix this right and this can create sometimes so much fear and uh, give you immediate, you know, thoughts like, okay, I'm not capable, right? So I think no matter what stage we reach, fear will always be with us. I think it's more of like how we're handling this, how much uh, truth we assign to it, right? Because it's not always true that we have to fear the situation we are in. Do you agree with me? Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. It's I think fear is always there because you're constantly up leveling. Like as we grow as humans, especially when you're listening to your authentic self and you're following your like life's path, it's terrifying because you're really it feels like you're putting blind trust into something, but actually we're co-creating our life with whatever it is that you believe in, whether it's a universe, God, whether you're using that source energy within you, you're using those those energies. You're not alone, but you're co-creating your life. And when you put trust and you surrender and you feel worthy of what you want, it will come. But it's mm-hmm. scary because you're not able to control. And if you're an A-type personality who's been controlling a lot of things in their life, you have to let go of that. And it's like, it's terrifying to be in that new state, especially when we're in our 30s or 40s. Often at that age, our personality is formed big time. We are autonomically working from like a programming system, a computer programming system that does so much. 60,000 thoughts a day, 95% of them are subconscious. Like you are just on automatic 
all day, all day. And so, um, yeah, stepping outside of that is, it can be challenging, but the more you do it, the more you'll see the benefits. Mm -hmm. And constantly we are waiting for this validation and someone who tells us it's going to be fine, but nobody comes telling you it's going to be fine. So you're like all alone in this. But that is so powerful. That's the one thing I've learned from being a people pleaser, needing validation from others, having trouble making decisions with my business as a sole entrepreneur. I do this on my own and I make sure I'm very grounded in what I want first. And then I might go talk to my husband. I might go talk to my business coach. I might talk to others, but I need to know what I want. And then when I ask others their opinions, it's just their opinions. I don't let it sway me. But that is really scary to trust yourself when you haven't maybe trusted yourself when you've been asking others to help make decisions for so long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think many people experience this. And I think the more often we talk about it, the more we are honest with the world out there and not pretend that everything is just fine and roses and rainbows all the time. I think this is how we can create, you know, belonging and just um, guide people in a direction that it's just, it's okay. It's okay to feel that. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to have bad days. It's okay to doubt in yourself. But if you have intuition, if you have a feeling that still says, go and get it, this is real. This is more real than this fear in your head that keeps on telling you the opposite. Yeah. So, oh yeah. I'll say one thing really quick. There is the voice in your head. If it's from a place of fear, it's not the real voice. If it mm-hmm. comes from a place, like I'll say it again, the voice Voices that we hear in our body, if it sounds like it's coming from a place of fear, it's not the real voice. That's an ego that's trying to protect you. It's trying to keep you safe. But if it's a voice that adds this like excitement within your body, there's a love to it. There's a kindness. That's the voice we need to follow. So it's almost like you have to picture that mean, scared voice pictured as a small little child. And that other voice is like the great inner parent. And you just want to pick up that little ego and hug it. Be like, I know you're scared. Thank you for telling me you're scared because I do need you sometimes. But right now I'm going to hold your hand and we're going to do this. And it's this beautiful union of the ego and your intuition and letting them guide you together. Mm, Beautiful said, Beth. Thank you. I'm getting goosebumps. I like that. I like that. So do you think, because you mentioned you were a runner, a triathlete. Do you think that being a runner, being a sports person helped you start your business and going through that time, through those those tough times or those many hours in the beginning you mentioned before? Yeah, absolutely. Like running physically helped me become a rock star when it came to my recovery. I have since run a triathlon. Like I've made a near like 99% recovery when it comes to my hand and my leg and being able to walk, run, swim, bike. That's at the time. I, at the time I never knew if I'd actually run again or ever bike again. Like the doctors wouldn't even say they didn't even want to put a, a guess on it in their minds. I've made a miraculous recovery. I've done so well. They're very impressed because I was so determined. Like physically, I know what you have to do. You work, you work, you work. I did four hours of like my exercises. I would work very hard every single day to rehab so that I could walk again mentally the mental and the like intellectual and the emotional strain that I was going through that was the hardest part that mm-hmm. the physical sucked but at the same time like I got this I know how to make this happen but the emotional that was new territory and that was painful that was really hard and took the longest to rehab mm-hmm. so I think yes in the physical part is the known part we know that if we train harder longer there is no way of not getting better This is also something that we can quickly prove to ourselves. But the mental part is like, am I going to be able to push beyond my boundary? 
even if it's a little bit, because we know our boundaries, we know how it feels when you are just shortly, you know, just say, okay, I can't anymore. But you have to tell yourself that there is, even if you can't anymore, there is still 20%. And this is a lot that you can give, that you can move further than you think. And to discover that part, like the mind part of it is an absolute big gain. And the reason why I ask you this is because it has helped me to, I was, I found myself back into running before I started my business after a neck hernia recovery, an amazing coach who has taught me again, you know, just to also reconnect a little bit with my body again, because I was very carefully tapping you know I was almost I was I don't know how this looked from the outside to people but I was not running like you're supposed to run because I was always trying to protect my spine and not wanting to experience this pain anymore so he taught me back and I was able to go on competitions again and this was something that really you know I was I was running it was hot and eventually I was sitting once on a on the table at my desk and struggling through a situation of discomfort. And this reminded me of this moment when I was running in this hot sun and being like, come on, once you've done it, once you are through that, you're going to be so damn happy and so damn proud. And there is no way you're going to give up right now. Like you are almost there, right? Are you experiencing those moments? Oh, absolutely. And it's, I have to do a better job of writing them down because I can look back and like in awe of what has happened when I started to listen to my intuition. Mm-hmm. In the moments, you can so easily get negative. Things aren't happening fast enough, but you take a look back and it's like, I'm in awe, like a complete awe of what has transformed in my life. And it all came from that moment where my life got flipped upside down, which actually flipped my life right side up. That brain bleed is the one of the best things that ever happened to me. It was a gift that was given to me to get me back on track. Mm-hmm. it's great you can look at it like you can look back at it like this it is I really everything is happening for us not to us and when we think things are happening to us we get into victim mode like why me and I was I was in a big victim state when it mm-hmm. first happened everyone would say if anyone can get through this it can be you and I just want to tell them to f off I'm like I don't want to be this strong I don't want to be this person who can get through this I didn't ask for this this is horrible but I can now look back and be like this was meant to happen for me mm-hmm. mm, beautiful so you said that that the, the your transformation has changed your relationship, right? But what impact did your business have on your marriage? I think the biggest impact it's had is I've learned to make decisions on my own. So I had to get really confident in everything that I wanted to do within my business and then present that to my husband, whether it was money I needed to borrow, time I needed to spend away from the family, things that I needed to buy for my business. Like I had to get really clear on why I wanted it and how to articulate it. In the past, my husband and I had a dynamic where I'd often ask him for his opinion. He's very confident. He's got a great voice. He's very easy to talk to you and people gravitate to that. Me, I feel like I'm a little bit shy or don't have as much confidence. So I had to find that inner confidence in what I was doing so I could articulate that to him so that he knew I was sure about what I wanted to do. And yeah, it's a big rethink going from a stable job as well that comes in with consistent income, although limited, right? To now an unlimited potential when it comes from income. In those first few, I guess the first year, I didn't make as much. I spent more than I made. 
the next year was phenomenal. I hit my goals this year. I'm on track to meet my goals as well. But that first year is tough because I'm trying to believe into myself, plus try to convince him that this is what I want to do, but he's not seeing the money come in. And that that was tough on me to continue to have the confidence that this is where I need to go. This is what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you are in here in when starting a business, when you start making decisions for yourself, because no one's going to do it for you, that you also have to set up your environment, but not by asking, may I, can I, but more in the direction, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I need. Are you in with me? Exactly. Well said. Mm-hmm. I think this is something that doesn't um, let's say, how would that go if somebody is not married, right? If you are you are single, let's say, I think this goes also for people who are not married to set up the environment. If it's maybe friends or other family members, do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. How do you do? You have an advice on how do we inform people that we might not be like as much as available available for them how we used to be that we might be doing things they you know don't if even if they don't believe in us or even if they have you know question marks all the time that we were going to do it anyway do you have a piece of advice for us i think number 1 listening to your intuition so if you feel like they're crossing a boundary or you feel like you're taking on energy that's theirs we got to get really really clear on your own energetic boundary. What advice am I going to accept? What energy am I going to allow them to project onto me? Okay. I can sense their negativity. I can sense their concern. I can sense their worry. That's not mine. I, at my core, believe that this is the business I want to run. I can empathize with them. I can ask them questions about their concerns, but I'm not going to take their projections on as my truth. And I think that's where when we have imposter syndrome or we're not fully confident in our decisions, we can easily take on others' opinions as our own. But we really have to put up that loving boundary to see them as just having opinions, also seeing them as their own wounds. Like maybe if your parents or family have had their own businesses that have failed, maybe they're going to project that onto you too, because they know how hard it is. They know the risk that it takes. And so just seeing that you're different than they are, whether it's an online business, you don't have as much overhead or you have a part-time job, a bridge job to help out, like just seeing how things are different, that your story is not their story. Yet they are probably trying to share their warnings with kindness and love, yet it may not feel that way. Mm-hmm. You just want to hear, go for it. Awesome. Great idea. But they might not be capable of it. Yes. No, I think you have to become your biggest cheerleader yourself and some sort of because it it happens sometimes what I hear that people try, you know, as well, their partners and to, you know, to push away their opinion, to ignore. But this ignorance just, you know, it's not going to take long and you will find yourself in a very uncomfortable situation because people's opinion is never going to change. And you will have to be ignoring it for a very, very long time. So I always teach people to treat them with respect, nonetheless, even if they are not, you know, going for you and if they are not cheering for you every morning you get out of bed. But I love the uh, what you said about the projection that there might be projecting their fears on us, like their insecurities or yeah, traumas, things they have experienced just lovingly wanting to protect us. Yeah, definitely. So... I have one last question for you, Beth, and it's my favorite question. And I'm asking this to so many people, everybody I interview, and everybody has a very unique answer, and I'm excited to hear yours. What do people misunderstand the most about you? 
That's a really good question. And I really sat with that one for a while. And I don't think people misunderstand me. I really don't. I feel like I have really loving people in my lives, but who misunderstands me is myself. I think I'm the one who misunderstands me at times. Mm -hmm. I think my ego can get in the way. And I think I can judge myself. I can start to create different stories. Like you're not going to be successful or this is the wrong decision or you're not good enough. You're not a good enough mom or you're not good enough to leave your career yet. You're not a good enough wife or daughter. But then what I have to do is get really clear. Okay, what is your heart saying? What's your intuition saying? What's that inner knowledge? What's that source saying within me? And it's actually telling me you're going to be okay. I'm proud of you. Follow your heart. I admire your courage. And so it's like I have two of me, kind of like I was talking about earlier. I have to make sure that I am my biggest cheerleader, kind of like you said earlier. So I think I'm the one who sometimes misunderstands myself. Mm. That's a very unique answer. Thank you so much. I love that. Thank you, Beth. That's so cool. I haven't had it yet in any of these interviews. Usually people have said they're very misunderstood by others, but this is so valuable. This is so valuable. Thank you so much. If somebody would like to find you and work with you and seek your help, I know that you have free marriage guide to download. I will put that in the show notes. But how can people connect with you the best? How can people reach out to you? Yeah, so best way to get a hold of me is at Solify Wellness. So Solify is like your soul. If I, it's the intensify, it's to intensify the soul. So S-O-U-L-I-F-Y Wellness. So you can find me on any social media, Solify Wellness. Or go to my website, solifywellness.com, or grab that guide, like you said, three ways to save a marriage, and that's at freemarriageguide.com. Lovely. Thank you. I will put it all in the show notes so people can reach out to you easily. And I want to say thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your so valuable story. And I hope that as many as possible are going to listen to it. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Hey, do you want to create fantastic reels with unique captions quickly? This script has saved me time and brought back the fun of creating reels. The writing, transcript editing and recording program automatically detects errors, ums and speech gaps and much more. I became an affiliate of this script because it eliminates the sucky part of reel and video editing and adds much value to my work as a coach and creator. You can try this script for free by clicking the link in the show notes and reach out to me if you need help with your first edits.